you're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 163rd episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, we're going to be concluding our parenting conversation with Mama Mindy Green. Mindy Green is a neurotrained parenting coach, former clinical social worker, and mom of four. Through her own experiences as a mom and in her work with family, she understands the joys and challenges of raising children. Her mission is to empower parents with practical tools and strategies so they can parent with confidence and strengthen their family relationships. Where were you when I was raising my two boys? (laughs) (laughs) We learn as we go, don't we? Oh, boy, we sure do. Thank you so much, Mindy, for being with us. I know you're just getting back from vacation, so I appreciate you being able to squeeze us in today. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Maybe we could start with you just, I'm stuck on mom of four. I know I told you when we were talking earlier, both of my daughter-in-laws are moms of four, and I know it isn't for the faint of heart. So tell us about being the mom of four kids. Do you have boys, girls, how many of each? How old are they now? How was that to parent? I stopped at two, so I have no idea about parenting four. I appreciate the question because it's not always as simple as it sounds, but it's also there's a lot of joy that comes with it. So I have two girls. They're my older ones, almost 28 now and 26. And then I have two boys who are 24 and just turned 22 on Monday. You had a child every two years. Basically, so my girls are 16 months apart. And then I thought, oh, my goodness, what have we done? You know, So they were almost like Irish twins. It made it very busy. And I worked through my first three pregnancies. I know I worked as a school social worker. So I know that my principal, bless his heart, was really like, what is she doing? I was basically working my way out of a job because with my children, I came home from work after my third child was born just to keep myself sane and really to be there for my kids in the way that I wanted to, because also I had three in daycare. Mm. I know that's not inexpensive either to have three kids in daycare. Jeez. So how did you get into working with parents? It almost seems like a natural progression. I often say that the story begins in childhood for me because both of my parents were educators and I grew up surrounded by a large extended family. Some of my most memorable life lessons were learned around the kitchen table at family events. Just having that foundation of family and recognizing that that it can be a a huge strength, a benefit, or it can be a disadvantage too, I think was what fueled me to want to go into psychology and then social work. I started out, my first job was in Baltimore City Public Schools. One of the things that I noticed with working with the students is they really, the how much support the parents really needed because they were navigating all kinds of different things in their environment, as well as child development. And I found my footing there. And that's really what stuck with me. And then when I met my husband and moved to where we live now, that continued. And so I I continued as a school social worker and then homeschooling my children. When I came home, that was something that was really of interest to me and just meeting families and just seeing the dynamics that continued. And I thought once my younger two graduated, I really needed something to do with my time. And it was just a natural transition to want to go into working with families again. I 
got my certification as a neurotrained parenting coach. And the rest is history, as they say. Wow. So how is coaching different from being the school social worker? There's a lot more flexibility. I'll just say that. And I have to give a shout out to all of the social workers and school support staff in our schools because it's a labor of love for them. And it's also very stressful in today's world. There are so many things that are going on and the mental health crisis that we're in. The Surgeon General came out with that study back in, what was it, April, and made that announcement that we're having a mental health crisis in our country, specifically with our young people. They have a very difficult job. One of the things I enjoy about coaching, which makes it a little bit different, is I do have more access to the parents because I think that home is the foundation and then we send our kids into school. So if we have a good handle on what's going on at home, then we can better advocate for our kids, whatever environment they are in. Right. You mentioned homeschooling your own kids. Did you homeschool them through all their years? My oldest daughter was the one who didn't fit into my plan. And I have to laugh because I always said, isn't it about what I want? And it's not. (laughs) I know that that's (laughs) not the way that it works, but my oldest daughter really wanted to go to high school. I homeschooled her through 10th grade, and then she graduated from our local high school. I often say that they were able to get all of the credit for the work that I put into getting her to that point. She did graduate from our public school, and then the rest of them was kindergarten through 12th grade. That is such a huge commitment. It's more than enough to be parenting four children, but now you're parenting and educating four children. That just seems like it's a monumental task, and yet you've done it. What do you have to say to other parents out there who might be thinking about doing the same? This is probably true for parenting in general, but whatever you do with your kids, recognize that it's probably not going to go as you thought or planned. (laughs) (laughs) Flexibility is really key and also recognizing the different ways that we can measure success. One of the things that really was important to me was getting to know my kids. And I think that that's, for me, that's where the personality piece comes in. Each of my kids was very unique and is very unique and has their own way of learning and communicating. That gave me an opportunity to really to get to know them well. It wasn't perfect all the time. I often say that it was perfectly imperfect or imperfectly perfect either way. We spent a lot of time together getting to know one another, and it forced us to learn how to communicate with one another and for them to communicate with each other as siblings as well. Yeah, I imagine that's right. What does it mean to be neurotrained? The reason why that was important to me was I really wanted to look at brain development and just the way that our kids develop and what does that mean for different stages Because I know that one of the things that would happen to me when I was with my kids all the time, both as parent and home educator, is that I would say, for instance, when they were young, use your words. And I didn't realize that they didn't have the capacity at the time to verbalize what it is that I wanted them to say. That is something that even now as adults, we all struggle with at times being able to articulate what we're thinking, what we're feeling. I've been talking to parents over the years, I realized that sometimes we put things on our kids that they're not developmentally ready for, or we don't recognize their unique traits. And again, that's where the personality comes into play and understanding the way that their brain is developing. I have a client who called me the other day and she said her daughter didn't want to come out of her room. She's a teenager. She said, how do I get this moody child to come out of her room? And do I even want her to? 
And so we had a conversation about that in the teen years, the brain is completely remodeling itself. That's invaluable information for us as parents to have to recognize what's going on with our kids developmentally, whether that's brain-wise, their hormones, all of those things. That's why I wanted to bring in that neuroscience piece to parenting so that they could just increase that understanding. It provides an added layer of information. Yeah. Information and understanding because with the information comes understanding. If Exactly. That's beautiful. You've mentioned a couple of times now, personality assessment, different traits. I'm just curious what you could tell us about that, because I know your parenting program focuses on those things, helping parents to understand and affirm their children and feel more at peace with their parenting decisions. How does your program actually help them do that? I'm a parenting blueprint practitioner. And so this is a program that another coach that I know started. And so she and I are collaborating on that. What the program does is it uses the DISC personality assessment as a foundation to help parents have that better understanding of their kids and for the kids to understand themselves. And what I really like about it is it's fairly simple. It's a really short assessment. And then what we do is once the parents have taken it and the kids have taken it, then we can plug that into an interactive guide. The parents can actually see before them because I share my screen. They can see what their strengths are, what their children's strengths are, where they fall in the different categories. And then it also helps them to see what's the gap. I have a mom who is very detail-oriented and she really enjoys having everything planned out and well laid out just to the nth degree, right? And then she has a son who's very inspirational and impulsive. He's very outgoing. So he's just kind of go with the flow or let's figure out things last minute. And that drives her crazy. And so, yes. (laughs) So she's trying to figure out how to communicate with him without putting him down or making him feel like there's something wrong with him. That's one of the things that this assessment brought to light. When she was able to see that and he was able to see that, it was a light bulb moment. To be able to have them experience that, see the light bulb go on over their heads, for me as as a coach was just very enlightening. That's what the program does. It does uses the assessment and then it's a video self-paced course. They can go through that, learn more about what does that mean, what their styles are, and then putting some strategies into place to improve that relationship. I really like that. I'm a choice theory practitioner. In choice theory, we talk about five basic needs and everybody has a different level, a different need strength profile, and it can create conflict or harmony depending on how well you are aligned with one another. The goal isn't to focus on the differences. The goal is to look and see where the challenges might be and figure out strategies to be able to negotiate that in a way that honors both people in the process. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you're doing very similar work just with the disc. Some of my audience will know what the DISC is, but some will not. Could you tell us what it's D-I-S-C and tell us what each trait stands for, if you would? Certainly. So the DISC looks at four quadrants and the first one is dominant. The other one is aspiring. S stands for supportive and C is cautious. It looks at each of those quadrants. The D's and the I's are the ones who are usually more extroverted, and the S and C's are the ones who are a little more introverted. Your audience might be more familiar with extrovert and introvert. You can have a blend of all of those. So it's interesting to see what comes up. And sometimes people think, and probably you see this with the work you do too, they think that they know what they'll be, but in actuality, there's something very different. 
or they yeah. might be living in a different space. The environment might be bringing something a little bit different out in them that can cause some conflict within themselves too, which is really helpful to look at. Yeah, I'm sure that it is. I'm thinking about your life and the ages of your children. And it seems to me that maybe you were dealing with some kind of empty nest situation when your youngest child left home. How did you manage that? And what did you do? What was your response to that situation? I cried a lot, (laughs) (laughs) to be honest. Because every two years I had a child graduating from high school and then going off to college. That was one of the things I realized when I got to my third child and he was getting ready to graduate that I needed to put some things into place that would support me, have my own interests, because homeschooling can be all consuming. Many of our friends were homeschool friends. Activities were based around what it is that they did. It required me to really step back and reflect on what it is that I had in my life that I wanted to continue. What did I want to change? What was something new that I wanted to do? That's how I've gotten through it is to really look at those buckets and how I can fill them with things that are meaningful to me now. What I love about what you said is you weren't looking to your children to fill your buckets. They filled your buckets for so many years and now you know, okay, they have their own buckets to fill and now it's my job to fill my own. That really is the answer to that empty nest. So many parents can just hold on to their kids and have their kids feeling like it's their responsibility that their mom or their dad is sad that they're gone. And I just think it's so much more healthy when you put everything you have into your children and then you decide, okay, it's my turn now. What do I want? What do I like? What do I want to do? And those are some really exciting questions to get to ask for maybe the first times. Good for you. Kudos to you. I'm happy to hear that that's what you're doing. Thank you. I do want to say one thing about that process is that it's changed over time as well, because he just graduated from college and is going on to grad school, my youngest. And so I've had a little bit of time to do this. And in the midst of all of this, of course, it was the pandemic. So things shut down. So just as I was starting to get my feet under me about what it is that I was kind of interested in and curious about, things shut down. Then we had everybody back at home again. So I had both my sons were home from college and doing college in their rooms. My younger daughter had just gotten married. And so she and her husband were living with us because the house that they had found (laughs) fell through. It's not a perfect process. It sounds lovely, but the reality is that there are lots of false starts. There were two steps forward, a step backward. If anyone's going through that, just to be patient with themselves and know that it will come together and it will look different maybe day to day or year to year. You've said it. Life is messy. And the best thing you can do is to just be flexible and not be so stuck on the vision of what you wanted it to be, because it's going to turn into what it's meant to be. And you can fight it. You can frustrate over it. Or you could just grab a hold and say, "Okay, whatever it is, it is. And it's good. I love that. All right. I hate to do this, but we're coming to a close. So I want to know if there's anything you might like to add that we didn't get a chance to already talk about. Um, I don't think so. Other than just as I said, I really highly recommend for the audience just to consider how are you treating yourself? Because we tend to be really hard on ourselves. And so to, to extend a lot of grace and be kind to yourself. That's the best way that you can go through day-to-day life is just being a little more gracious because when we can do that for ourselves, then we can do that for other people as well. Right. And you're modeling it for your children too. Exactly. They'll see what you do. 
rather than what you say. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Perfect. Do you by chance have anything coming up you'd like to tell our audience about? Well, what I would like to offer the audience is if anyone is listening to this podcast and they decide to book a call and then they want it to enter into the program that I'm offering, I am offering 10% off to the audience. Thank you so much for that. I'm sure there'll be people who will be very happy about that. Is your first call just a consult free call and then you make the decision and that's when they could apply the 10%? Exactly. Yeah. The call is free. It's complimentary. And it's really for them to learn more about the program and for us to see if it makes sense for us to work together. Is it a good fit? Because it might not be for everyone. Right. Mindy, if any of our guests want to contact you for further information or to take advantage of this 10% off and this complimentary call, how would they do that? Certainly. So you can reach me at Mindy at MindyGreenCoaching.com. Or you can also visit my website, which is mindygreencoaching.com. All right. Thank you so much. I will definitely put that in the show notes for people. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mindy. I so appreciate you joining us, especially this soon after relanding from your vacation. I appreciate you very much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you join me next week when we'll be switching topics to couples with Jari Bolander as our guest. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.